Wait, what? What are you doing? I was watching a terrible basketball highlight. We're fine. Go ahead. Let's let's roll the tapes. Right, I'm still confused by what. Stop! What are you doing? <laughs> that one was me. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing? Sports ball. That was me on purpose. <laughs> Stop playing sports highlights. Everyone's ready? All right. Yes. Uh, last time I asked, you guys started playing sports high. So <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go into it. Um, three, go right two, into it. One. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird. And who is that on the other end? Hi, I'm Matt Parmley. Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. Um, if you th- heard a third voice cackling, then you set you set me up for a for a, a Don Fry quote, which you can't ever turn down the opportunity. Right. Every now and then you'll show up on this show, but uh, you really make a point to do Halloween podcasts, and and you're all about this Halloween viewing. Um, it's October. Yeah, it it this is it is, and you've you've been running pretty wild lately. Um, I've watched something like nineteen horror movies, including the ones for this podcast. Maybe closer to twenty twenty one, and you've just watched like a, a whole bunch of TV. Um, and Max yeah, watched, watched like three things. <laughs> I've seen uh, season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead now, and season one, of, I watched Castle Rock. That, I watched 20 things, by the way. I watched Salem. That show is awesome. All you need to know about Salem, here's what you need to know about Salem. In the very first episode, a woman feeds a frog off of her leg nipple. And then it crams said frog down her husband's throat. And if that's not all you need to know about Salem is that that happens and then crazier stuff happens throughout the show. Do you need to know more than then you've come to the wrong show? We are all about the leg nipples here. Because that that should be that should be all you need. Um, this is uh, often where people like to talk about. Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman, the invi- the uh, the Invisible Man, as well. Essentially, the Universal monsters, which, uh, um, you know, those are our first pop culture monsters. They put 
uh, monster movies on the map. And so, of course, we're going to have to get into the Japanese version. Uh, we've talked about the Toho Frankenstein and Dracula movies. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that? Remember that? Oh, yeah. The Frankensteins. And those which are, is, uh, the Frankensteins are more more traditional. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. That's just flat out kaiju stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those get talked about a lot. Um, however, uh, a little more on the obscure side is there are, are some Japanese Invisible Man films, um, two produced by Daie and one by Toho, uh, with a lot of familiar faces. And, uh, yeah, I think it's apt to talk about. Now, this, this is a, let me pose a question to you. This came up in a Facebook thread, because I had just gotten, I'm a huge Universal Monsters fan. I got the big Blu-ray box set, and I was like, oh, boy. And then I, I, I started thinking, and I was like, is the Invisible Man a monster? Cause he's just, yes. Because he's just a crazy guy with powers. And you all told me I was dumb. Yeah, but he's a monster. But like because because he's a mon because he does monstrous things. So is like Magneto a monster? Yes. Is this like his King Kong Kaiju conversation? Because uh, it is. It absolutely is. Does Birdie Birdie yells at me when we have these kind of so so? If someone was like, "Oh, my favorite movie monster is Magneto," you'd just be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Like that's sure. that would be weird. <laughs> He's not human. <laughs> yes, he is. He's a mutant. Mutants are specifically a different species. They're Homo superior. We got to get Trev on to school. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So does that mean? Wait. Hold on. Hold on. So does that mean like if if you were to like date a mutant, would that would be like interspecies? It would be interspecies? You are going yes. down a dark path right now. <laughs> yes, it would be interspecies. Okay. If you say so. so is the Phantom of the <laughs> Bird, is the Phantom of the Opera? Well, no, that's just a disfigured guy. Hmm. It's like saying, like, is Norman Bates a monster? Like, no one's like, oh, yeah. what's your favorite monster movie? Psycho. <laughs> like, nobody does that. I have seen people call Hannibal Lecter their favorite movie monster. He's also just a guy. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex is my favorite kaiju. I don't That's feel fine. like there's an equivalency here. All I can tell you is I have the Universal Classic Monster set, and the Invisible Man is part of that. Bam. Well, it's science. Interestingly, though, Hunchback of Notre Dame is not. Uh, none of the silent stuff is. That's true. Which is kind of a bummer, but a lot of it's public domain, which kind of makes it even weirder, because it's like, just put it on there. No one cares. You know, I, like, that, the, the silent Phantom is way better than the Claude Rains one. Oh, way better. Um, alright. Let's get on topic here. Okay, so... Uh, Which one of these are we talking about first? Well, I, we're going to go chronologically. So we're going to go all the way back to 1949's The Invisible Man Appears. 
Well, we're gonna go. I, well, I guess we should do. Well, I guess we'll do the 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 two Daye movies and then the Toho one last. Okay. So we're gonna take a time jump and then go back, but we're gonna start in the forties in nineteen forty nine. Um, so the Invisible Man appears. Um, Daye Studios, um, widely considered the first. Well. The first surviving, because there are some lost films and some silent films. Um, the first surviving Japanese science fiction movie. Hmm. Um, and, uh, well, there was an, another movie either the same year or the year before called The Rainbow Man that was about a killer who, uh, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't quite speak to what he does, but he's he's... A similar kind of character, that, and there were some light effects used in that, but Invisible Man Appears uh, is very much considered the first, like, real, like, special effects kind of extravaganza. Um, and I think, I don't want to be quoted on this, uh, the second um, uh, science fiction movie with special effects by A.G. Subaraya. This is very much where he would uh, cut his teeth. Because, you know, he'd do war movies and do miniatures and stuff, but this is where it's like, you know, I can make crazy visual illusions, too. Um, so, uh, as far as a plot synopsis goes, uh, this, it, this movie's kind of convoluted. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Matt had watched it today, or no, wait, none of us watched it today, right? Oh, we're screwed. Um, <laughs> I well, I'll, like I'll, 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 <laughs> I will, uh, I'll, I will volunteer to go through the basics. Godspeed, brother. Among the three of us, I think we'll be able to, to, to get it together. Um. So there's uh, uh, this older gentleman who is a scientist working on a formula to turn things invisible. Um, one thing this movie doesn't do that the 33 uh, Universal Invisible Man, or one thing that it does that that version didn't do is it kind of has some psychobabble into how um, how to how how to turn something invisible and. It's some spiel about the color wheel and uh, the absence of color and how black is all the colors and things getting like uh, reflected through black. Um, anyway, it's 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 pure nonsense. But <laughs> is this uh, the one that uh, claims you're not making them invisible, just uh, undetectable, or? or... So, yeah, some it, it, about that. it says like it says it, they're not invisible they're just not uh not like they're not it, reflective it, or something yeah it says it says something to that effect like it's not invisible it's just in inconceivable or something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah no it's pure uh old timey <laughs> science fiction uh nonsense but so essentially um he uh he tells um uh, a couple of his young assistants that and he kind of uh is like 
Oh, if they can find out how to replicate it, is that it? He'll offer his daughter's hand in marriage? Oh, yeah. Like, he sets up a competition between these two um, young doctors, and whoever yeah. wins... This is the this is the one that's super sexist. Well, <laughs> but his daughter's okay with it, right? That's the whole. <laughs> she's like, well, this is also a cultural barrier because Japan. It's it's. It, I mean, it's Japan, so it's going to be an arranged marriage. That's like the old, you know, that's the old timey Japanese marriage stuff. But yes, he does. He does set up a competition between the two scientists and it's like oh whoever whoever wins yeah whoever gets my daughter yeah whoever can create the formula first uh will get to marry the daughter but she clearly likes the one more than the other yeah yeah um and so uh the scientist has this i don't know i guess business partner i guess uh this guy uh um kawabe who is you know, right off the bat, he's a little shady and weird and kind of asking too many questions. Anyway, so what happens is um, the the doctor is kidnapped and um, uh, and then uh, one of the assistants is uh, is later kid- is kidnapped at a later time and told um, uh if you steal this precious, uh, this necklace, this precious jewel necklace, um, we, he was like, they're like, we have the doctor and he has found a reversal. So if you turn invisible and steal this necklace, uh, we'll give you the, the, uh, the antidote to turn visible again. And he's like, okay, sure. And so he does that. Um, one thing that this does kind of take from the, 33 version that i don't think was in the hg wells novel is that when you turn invisible you also lose your damn mind um so he kind of slowly unravels one of the things that does push him over the edge is he's having a conversation um with the other um protege dr sagi uh and in walks machiko the girl and she confesses her love to him, and then uh, Kurakawa, the, the invisible man, goes ape shit and, like, jumps out a window. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's kind of also where he starts to kind of unravel. Like, <clears throat> But, of course, it turns out um, that there was no antidote, and the bad guys just wanted this precious necklace... Um, and this is where the movie's kind of unclear from what I remember, and maybe you guys can help me. This isn't the best podcasting, but, uh. <laughs> Listen, I assume if they're listening to our show, they know that already. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, it's just, I watched this movie a long time ago thinking we were going to record a lot earlier, and then, anyway, uh, so it turns out there is no antidote, and, um... Kawabe was orchestrating the whole thing to get the necklace. Now, it it does it is revealed later that he has like this side business where he sells stolen jewelry, but also it's kind of implied that he has a thing for the girl. Um and that's why he wants the necklace so he can win her over. It's not really made clear. Do either of you know like No, this movie was really convoluted. 
it's too convoluted for like for a movie that's like 70 minutes long yeah that's more or less a small stakes kind of crime drama it's there's too much going on and triple crosses and (laughs) it's like every time you think you have the plot every time you start to think you have the plot figured out like they throw something else at you and you're like what 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 if uh for any monster vision anyone that remembers monster vision is what joe bob briggs always said there's too much story getting it or too much plot getting in the way of the story there's there's a key component of like the invisible man is being tricked by the gangsters mobsters whatever they are the doctor is being hidden behind a door he thinks he's having a conversation with the doctor and then because of that conversation which the doctor is actually telling him what to do at gunpoint because if not he's going to be killed so he's getting manipulated all the while he's also going crazy and getting exceedingly violent in his own right so it kind of there's like a manipulation sort of sympathetic thing, but then he also kind of goes on a murderous rampage out of his, of his own accord. So you have all this, there's just a lot of moving parts for a short movie. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I just, there, I, I don't know if this was just a rushed script or whatever, but there's certain things that don't make sense. Like one thing that I didn't mention is that the girl is actually the sister of the Invisible Man, and I don't know why he couldn't just go to her and say, like, hey, I need I need the necklace. Can you give it to me? <laughs> like, she I'll would probably be like, okay. It'll, like, save your life, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> then there'd be no movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I'm just saying, someone should have found a way to write around that. I will say, right. uh, you I, go first, Bird. Oh no! Well, I were you? Were, did you have something that that was going to tie into that, or um, did you want to kind of move on to another aspect of it? No, I mean, I, I just I feel like there's a lot of interesting ideas that have handled better. There could have been a like a pretty good movie yeah. made out of it. The problem is, there's just there's so much stuff going on; it's hard to keep track of. And I think honestly, yeah. that's it. Took me three times to to watch the movie. Partially, I was tired one night. Also, my four-year-old came down and was, you know, wanting to play, and I, I can't really say no to that. But the, the whole thing is, like, it's just one of those films where, like, it just I felt, I felt the length of a movie that's what seventy minutes or something long, and that that should never happen. Yeah, you know the you know why there's a better movie in here because there already was a better movie, <laughs> and it was the one that was made in 1933. Which is awesome, by the way. Like, I love that movie that, so much. That's one of my favorite um, Universal movies. Uh, and I don't know what it is about The Invisible Man. It's almost like were- the were- like werewolves. Like It's really hard for people to make a good werewolf movie. And it's really hard for people to make a good Invisible Man movie for some reason. I feel like neither so, of them should be so difficult. Yeah, and, and here's... I, I told you guys when I got done watching this movie that I had a kind of what I thought maybe was an interesting take on it. Um, and I was saving it for this and, and, and here it is. It's this to me is like, you know, how, uh, whenever there's an American remake of a Japanese or Korean or any other film property announced everyone, we always go, Oh God, you know, like we're just going to get a way worse version. <laughs> this is that like, 
this this movie is this is essentially you know if you kind of strip away all the convoluted nonsense a remake of the invisible man where a guy you know becomes invisible the invisible serum starts to slowly turn you insane and make you give in to your more violent urges needs a cure can't figure out a cure uh can't find one like the the cure kill like the cure that they have kills things like before that you know like right after it, it kind of is administered or whatever so like yeah it's 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 that movie but then there's just like other things thrown in it to try and make it not exactly the same and those things aren't thought through very well and that's like all of these like you know you're not so much your grudge and ring because those were actually good remakes, but like your, your tale of two sisters becoming that, what was it? The uninvited, Uninvited, I think, you know, and like it's, it's, it's that it's the same thing. It's just, it's just in reverse. And, you know, it's, there was a, there was an invisible man movie in America. It was popular. Um, so the Japanese needed one and it needed to be in Japanese. So Japan made one and it's just worse. I mean, that's a pretty apt take, I think. Um, I don't think that's too controversial of a statement. Um, you know, the, the good things about this movie are things that you can see in a much better movie. You know, that's, that's the thing really. Um, but the good things about it are the things that I like in Invisible Man stories that um, as we as we move into the, the next two that we're going to talk about, they I'm pretty sure neither one of them has it. But yeah, the good the good things are like I like in Invisible Man stories when being the Invisible Man makes you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's what makes it a monster or monster adjacent movie. Have you read the not the H.G. Wells novel? I have not. Okay, because I think but that like, was something that was thought up for the uh, the movie. I don't want when you drop on that, but when you drop that aspect, you get stuff like Invisible Woman and the Invisible Agent, mm-hmm. and those movies suck. I think Invis- Invisible Agent is kind of fun, but I don't think it's great. Okay, so I, I'm I'm kind of looking into it now. In in the in the H.G. Wells version, the Invisible Man is he's psychotic, but he's psychotic before he turns himself invisible. <laughs> <laughs> so he's already crazy in, in the book. Um, well, I I think that uh, especially for our uh, core audience, uh, we should talk about um, uh the Tsuburaya effects. Um, Tsuburaya, from what I understand, was actually a big fan of the uh, Universal Invisible Man. I mean, who isn't? But uh, So that probably is part of, you know, uh, why he was, I, I would imagine, excited to take this gig. But uh, I, don't, I don't know that there quite is up to par. Um, with the universal version, but I do think they're very good. Um, you know, and he repeats a lot of the kind of same visuals, like, uh, you know, un- unraveling the bandages and, um, you know, having floating objects and, and, uh, and things like that. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, for 1949, uh, for you know, a Japanese movie, I think um, I don't know. I thought I thought they they held up pretty decently. What about you guys? Yeah, the, the, I, mean, I thought the effects were kind of a one of the better parts of the film. Um, I mean, that was the, the one aspect that I that I really enjoyed probably the most. There's I would a part say. where he steals a police motorcycle and drives around and. <laughs> drives it around while being invisible. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Yeah, I also I always really like the 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 uh, the times when, especially in these old movies, when they do the like invisible body part stuff. Yeah, and they do that pretty effectively here. You know, where there's like an invisible hand or an invisible like head, but you know the the. the coat is still walking around and stuff like they they do that pretty effectively in this movie i feel like with all three of these films the one aspect that we're really missing is claude rains like the just how maniacal he is oh no um, the, he the, the claude rains is the invisible man might be the most insane movie character ever he's it's so wonderful like just how insane like he's and like i was the joker yeah, and, and you're la- like, I'm laughing and like reveling in the fact that this guy's a psychopath, but he's also has this undeniable charm. Whereas, like, in these films, you get this really, you get a bunch of high cackles and laughing and stuff, but you don't have like, the guy's not running down the street in just pants chasing a woman <laughs> as he's singing a song. Like, the, like you can't, that performance is just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I think that's the kind of thing that you're sort of missing. Also, in this movie, they're kind of going for like this sympathetic take because the invisible man's being coerced into doing certain things. But then, you know, obviously he's losing his mind because of the, you know, the process of becoming invisible. So like there's this dynamic of, are we supposed to feel bad for him? But he's also killing people, but it never really hits home. I think the way that they wanted to. And I, I would say that's a pretty glaring flaw. Yeah, I, I can agree. Um, they definitely try to set him up. I mean, it, I mean, he is a tragic character, but I, I, I don't think the movie ever delivers the kind of melancholy that a character like that really needs to be memorable. But no, I, I completely agree. There's, there's, there's not as much. There's, there's no, there's, there's no performance right across probably any of these that I can that I can really think yeah. of that that is anywhere near as a. As Claude Rains, or, or even, you know, one, just... I, I hate to say it, because the character is such a, like, mustache twirler, but the Kawabe, the guy that, it turned out, orchestrated this whole thing, is probably the most memorable character in in this one. Right, but, you know, even even you just look at, you know, just your average, like, Toho or Daie or uh, Shochiku uh, sci-fi movie, and there, there's there's no performance that's as magnetic as some of those you know in those various movies are oh yeah well i just think the, i think for by and large the characters in this in this first movie are essentially they're not memorable at all and that's kind of the problem i mean we, we had a hard enough time just remembering the plot and i and i watched the movie three days ago so i mean that that should tell you all you need to know about the movie what's a how many invisible guys riding motorcycles do you give this out of five. Uh, I'm at a two. It's kind of a floundering two. I, I'm I at like, a... Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like there's some stuff in here I like, but none of it 
works well enough together to to bump it up more than a two. Yeah, I'm at a, a two and a half. I mean, I was I was entertained enough throughout the seventy minutes, but uh, yeah, it's not very memorable, and and I couldn't particularly see myself around to watching this again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with a two, um, pretty much for the same reasons you guys just said. Um, you know, all the, all the things it does well uh, are things that you can get in a better movie. So, um, you know, if I feel like watching an Invisible Man movie, I'm going to watch the Universal version instead. Um, okay, just, just keeping it in the realm of Die A. Uh, we're going to jump ahead to 1957's The Invisible Man versus the Human Fly. Um, and uh, directed by Mitsuo Murayama. Um, and when I say that title, you're probably thinking like, oh, I love The Invisible Man. Oh, I love The Fly. This sounds great. This sounds insane. This sounds crazy. Uh... First of all, this movie predates Pump the, the brakes. <laughs> yeah, hold <laughs> hold your horses, keep your shirt on. Uh, this movie predates the fly by about a year, uh, and the human fly is not a disgusting half human, half fly man. It is a man who um, I guess he gets like a some kind of vapor that he breathes in, and somehow it turns him into a tiny little. Uh, Tiny little man, uh, think like Ant-Man. Um, and he carries out a series of crimes. Um, and the Invisible Man uh, is um, a guy who takes his superior, like this is at some kind of lab. He takes his, uh, he's a protege of a scientist. He takes his invisible formula and uh, uses it on himself, um, just like for shits and giggles, really. I don't think he had much of a reason to. <laughs> well, I think, no, well... Well, it's a, it, so the movie starts, too, with like a whole bunch of bank robberies, and at every bank robbery, there's, a, there's like a dead body. And nobody sees anybody ever go in or out, and there's like no evidence or anything, and so they're like, oh, it must be an invisible man. And everyone's like, <laughs> there's like a whole bunch of people are like, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? And like, everyone's like, why would you think it has to be an invisible man? And then like, conveniently, someone else is like, ah, yes, because I know that there are invisible men. And you're like, oh, okay. So they go to this, this guy who's like, yeah, I can make invisible people. <laughs> like, <laughs> He just like freely admits to it. <laughs> well, isn't it only because like that that cop or or whatever was like um it, the, yeah the one cop is like, it like must he just be happened to, he was like oh I know a scientist that makes invisible people guys <laughs> like I it's true I'll go talk to him and he can even like show you and everyone's like oh okay so. so- <laughs> No, go ahead, because... Okay, so then then there's this thing where... What's the thing... This this is the movie where, like, 
he doesn't really turn the whole person invisible, right? You have to wear gloves for your hands to be invisible. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I don't remember that part, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> well, no, no. I, he tr- I think he wore... Because he turns all of himself invisible except for one of his hands and, and his, his head. head. So I think he, like, put a glove on and put, like, a something over his head. And for some reason, he just... You turn the rest of him invisible. Okay, I thought it was like a thing where he says like it it doesn't turn you completely invisible or something because it doesn't soak into your hair. (laughs) (laughs) But so while they're while the police are investigating this invisible man, more people start dying. Um, And every time they're dying, there's like a there. There happens to be a person who's like nearby who sees it, who sees the person die, but doesn't see what happens to them. And they're like, yeah, I heard this strange, like buzzing noise, like every time. And it's not, it's, it's like a different person. It's a different witness every time, but every one of the witnesses is like, yeah, there's this weird buzzing. And so, um, <laughs> wait, hold on. I, police inter- officer. <laughs> yeah. I want police inter- officer just, Throwing all like evidence and and police ability and detective um, to the wind is just like oh it must be the human fly yeah <laughs> yeah no and this is this is kind of how this entire movie goes is like people figure things out when they have no re like he just says oh it must it must be a tiny fly sized human <laughs> like and, and then like he talks to everyone like yeah like. Duh. Like that like it just exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like it, it all it, he might as well have been like I can't believe you guys didn't think of that already. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of how this entire movie goes is everyone people just like whatever whatever the next reveal is in the plot, they just guess. So the movie doesn't have to deal with anyone like with actually writing any kind of mystery or anything. I realize I'm jumping the gun here a bit, but do you guys like the part where the one human fly flies into the beaker and kills himself in a giant poop <laughs> of smoke? <laughs> yeah, can... <laughs> okay, yeah, because there's, there's a couple invisible men, and then, uh... Did someone else become the human fly? Yeah, okay. So you have, you have like, the yes. mob so boss. You have the, yeah. you have the main guy who's doing it at first, who is, like... He's a human fly for hire. There's, there's, they say something at some point about the the human fly drug is like addictive or something, right? Like, because he's like, oh, I'll I'll kill as many people as you want as long as you keep giving me them them human fly capsules. Yeah, um, and at one point I think he even says like, I'll do anything for for my fix or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and, it's, it's pretty much like he's like a heroin addict, and he's also doing it for his this girl that he really likes, but then he just ends up killing her. Um, for, I forget why. Why does he kill her? He says like she betrayed him, but I'm not sure how she betrayed him. And he also kills some guy for like flirting with his, this girl that I, they're not really too, oh. I can't tell what the relationship is. Yeah. Cause she's like a, she's like a go, not like a go-go dancer, but she dances yeah, she at, works like, at burlesque or whatever. Yeah. She dances at like the Copacabana club Asia. 
And there's also yes. a weird part where the girl is like laying down in a like kind of skimpy clothing, and the invisible man is like he's like jumping on her boobs or something. <laughs> <laughs> And then later he even says, like, oh, yeah, I, I loved, like, rolling around on her curves or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that... But so anyway, so then... Then... What? The Invisible Man is, is like, his name is cleared, right? <laughs> because they're all worried about the human fly now. But then the human fly turns out to get screwed over by the guy who's been giving him the pills because the guy who's been giving him the pills wants the invisible man formula because if he could be an invisible human fly, he'd be unstoppable. <laughs> that, that's pretty accurate. Yes. Um, and so they go to, then he's like, Oh, if you don't give me the invisible ray gun, because it's not a formula in this, it's like a, it's like a beam. He's like, if you don't give me the invisible beam, I'm going to blow up the city. And so, you know, like everything else in this movie, they just they just take that at complete face value. Um, and and then there's like a weird montage of him killing people as the human fly. And and then he fights the invisible man at the end. And then well, sort of, because uh he does blow up a train and kills like a thousand people. That's true. So they do. They do have a reason to believe he's yeah, going to blow up the city. He talks like about he, a bomb. He flies off in his helicopter with the invisible ray gun and then comes back, doesn't he? Yeah, because so there's there's a there's a female character who uses right. ray on herself and then she sneaks in the helicopter with him, brings him back at gunpoint. Yeah, and then eventually, like he fights another invisible man. <laughs> Didn't you just watch this today? That's, I mean, that, again, that's that's the problem with these films. They don't they don't leave a ton of impression, and then he ends no, up like yeah. falling <laughs> to their that. to his death. This movie, is pretty, this movie is pretty straightforward, though. It really it really is like this this bad guy controls the human fly, wants him to kill people. Then the invisible man is just over there, just doing nothing, and then at the end when like the bad guy starts to get imploded on because the other the, the guy who he was controlling brings down too much heat that's kind of the thing he's bringing down too much heat and they and they come in to like question him he's just like haha i'm the human fly also and he like flies out through the air vents um because in this movie in the logic of this movie Right where you know it's a movie where a detective can have absolutely no evidence and just say it's a human fly <laughs> and be correct. In the logic of this movie, if if you're a tiny little person, you can fly. Like there's 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 no there's no like oh he built himself a fly suit or wings or anything like no if you're if you're just tiny enough you can just fly. Um, so he flies the, away. The rationale, though, the rationale is that when someone died, they pointed at the uh, up in the air and they said they heard a noise. <laughs> That's what they tell the police officer. Well, okay, okay, but, I, it's kind of coming back. So, so, so no, so he it, flies so, away to to try and get the invisible weapon, and then they they have like a, a standoff at the end. So he doesn't even fight the invisible man. the 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 cop shoots him off the building after like right. yeah, after the woman like uh, like hold. Um, holds him up at gunpoint to like land. 
So they don't even... The Invisible Man doesn't really fight the human fly. An Invisible Woman kicks him out of a helicopter, and then a cop shoots him off a roof. Look, all I'm saying is the best part of the movie is when the one dude flies into the chemicals and kills himself. <laughs> yeah, did they... <laughs> Were you guys as confused by that as I was? I rewound it. No, I, I did like, too. I was like, <laughs> no, I rewound it because I was like, wait, was that was that the like? Why did he like thinking like, oh, like there there's a reason why he did that, right? But like, he just flies into <laughs> chemicals and explodes. <laughs> And no, it's not that he explodes. He explodes, and there's like this death curdling scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just see this tiny man crash into a like a vial of liquid and go ah, and there's an explosion. <laughs> exactly and then, and then the movie never. And then, then, then don't they say like, don't they find like his ashes or something? And they they don't like say like, oh, he must have thought this was something or. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know anything. Human flies are attracted to this chemical. Like they don't say anything. They're just like, oh, his ashes are here. He must have just. They like, say something about like he was burned by chemicals or like something. Well, yeah, no like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they say though. But what was he doing? Why did he do that? Do Do you guys understand? There was no rhyme or reason for that to happen. Uh, <laughs> flies and vinegar, moth to a flame. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cool. Well, because he flies into the lab, like, because, uh, yeah, he wants the invisible uh, the invisible ray or whatever, and he flies in to, like, either get information on it or s- just steal it, and then, yeah, he just flies into a thing of chemicals and explodes, and then the scene's over. So, I have, I have a question, though. So, when they, when the fly kills people, and the fly, I mean, obviously, it's a human the size of a fly, but everybody has like regular stab wounds. It's kind of confused because by that. He becomes he becomes big for an instant, and then stabs you, and then becomes little and flies away. But like they don't always show that, right? Am I crazy? Did I? They they try to keep you in the dark about it, like earlier in the movie. So earlier in the movie, they make you like you, the viewer, kind of think that it might be the Invisible Man doing it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. But, like, towards the end of the movie, especially, like, you end up at least seeing, like, the, the little vapor cloud from him inhaling his, <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, like, the, like, he's like the general in, uh, in Wonder Woman. Um, like Danny Houston's character. Where he breaks the, and gets, and gets, but instead of getting stronger, he gets tiny. <laughs> So does Not the kind know, of pill most men want. Does anyone know why the Invisible Man, the first Invisible Man, why he turned his hand, why he kept his hand and his head visible? No. No, wait, I, th- I think, actually, I think it was an experiment, and then he basically like, well, I'm trying to find my way back because the antidote's killing all these animals or whatever, so he didn't do it all the way on purpose, because there was no way back. Which, by the way, the, the film conveniently comes up with, oh, we figured out the antidote by the end so that they can bring the the other yes. guy and the female character back to normal. Yes, and then they just turn invisible again and, like, leave the movie. Which is what I should have... I should have turned the film on and turned it off immediately, probably, because that's about how the experience felt. Yeah, that's... They, <laughs> They do like they do they 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 it's weird they spend very little time like discovering or you know 
like really trying trying to figure out an antidote they're just like oh look the antidote kills things and they're like like look how many rabbits we can kill <laughs> yeah uh, they and like the rabbit wrapped on a rabbit yeah the rabbits are like convulsing and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. like the, they show several rabbits like twitching um but so so then after after that like it just is never really brought up again and even when they're going to give the the main bad guy who becomes the human fly but the main bad guy when they're going to give him the invisible ray they're like why would he even want this he could be you know ultra powerful as the human fly and you know the invisible ray there's no cure for it he'll he'll never be visible again or whatever you know they're like why would he even want this and then like in the very last scene the girl is like oh i discovered the cure for invisibility Boop. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the very end, they're like, uh, I think someone mentions that antidote, and then they're like, oh, well, yeah. we, we figured that out. We just didn't, we just <laughs> forgot that we just didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, that was. Not- <laughs> uh, I will say, you know, because this is the first time I've watched this, um, as well as the last uh, uh, movie we talked about. I, I definitely wasn't expecting this movie to be. The- so stupid uh like i don't like things just kind of like happen and there's no like i it's like they they were just like yeah we want a movie where this happens well how do we get from point a to point b um just have a character guess and like it turns out they're right (laughs) or something this guy heard a buzzing sound he pointed to this person pointed to the sky Clearly, it's a human fly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I mean, Bird, you, you said it before. Are you surprised that this is made by the same guy that made Godzilla Raids again? You know, oh, no, like, that, that's the next movie we're talking about. It's like about. the paleontology lesson. The next movie is the Godzilla Raids again. Oh, this isn't? So this is just by an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> how many? Uh, how many flies poofing into chemicals? <laughs> you guys are this. Uh, we're making this movie. Honestly, we're, we're making like, it listening sound to this, a little more exciting than it probably is. Yes, that's that's the thing. Because this is the longest of these three. I think this one's more like an hour thirty some minutes. Yeah, it's about an hour yeah. thirty. Uh-huh. And there's and it's because there's this long montage of like the bad guy as the human fly like buzzing well, around like, like, like the like the last movie it is very convoluted you know and it goes back and forth a lot between um you know the the procedural aspect of you know the cop trying to find out what's going on and then guessing and being right about one thing and then something else happens and then you got to watch him like try to guess about that and be right about that. And it just kind of goes on and on, um, you know, and then it, it, it also goes back and forth a lot with the, uh, <clears throat> the first human fly, uh, and his boss who would be the second, uh, human fly, like a lot of back and forth with, Oh, well here's, you know, I did this for you. Are you going to give me more? And it just, uh, it sputters, you know, um, and you know, there, there, there could be probably be a good fifteen minutes cut out of this thing, and it would probably be a lot more fun um, if 
if it was, but yeah, it's <clears throat> as it is, it's a little slower than it probably needs to be. Um, I will give this. I think the last movie we talked about is probably the better movie, um, but just to the sheer stupidity of this, I'll probably give it a slight bump and do uh, 2.5 exploding flymen. Yeah, I'm rating this on the Tom scale, which the further away you get from Ooh, zero, <laughs> positive or negative, that, and, and uh, because of that, I'm going to give this a, a negative uh, two and a half stars. Bert, I agree with your take. I, I think that the other movie is probably better, but this one, because it is so stupid, I, I had a bit more fun with it. Not yeah. that it's great, but it could have been a lot more fun, though. I think I easily, agree. easily. Yeah, I was mostly just bored. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I was mostly just bored by this movie. I'm also going on that that negative side of the scale, but I don't think it's like it's it's too bad to be rated as like a real movie like as a good movie right but it's not like it's not bad enough and it's not fun enough to go like deep into that like it's so bad it's it's good territory this is like a negative one and a half for me all very valid uh uh takes all right so uh next in our uh in the last Invisible Man movie we're we're gonna talk about is Toho's 1954 The Invisible Man, uh, now um, I think very commonly referred to as The Invisible Avenger, which I feel like that must have been a fan made title because I didn't I, I never heard of that title until the fan sub uh, someone did the fan sub for it, and now uh, I've I've seen it referred to that quite a bit. Um, and probably just to dif- differentiate it from all these other Invisible Man movies. Uh, yeah. I, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I still call it the Invisible Man. So, Tom, uh, <laughs> this one is directed by, um, yes, the director of Godzilla Raids Again, um, <clears throat> uh, Motoyoshi Oda, who... Um, I don't even back then I don't think he had the best reputation as a director. He trained under, you know, the same guys that Honda and Kurosawa did, but um it seems like they just kind of gave him the projects they gave him were kind of just like scraps <laughs> essentially. Um and there is a little bit more background of this uh because a um well Tsuburaya uh full time at Toho and you know a man of influence there at this point, uh, well, at least on his way to being a man of influence at this point. Um, He did the special effects, um, and uh, there's a lot of familiar actors. Um, Yoshio Tsuchiya, probably the most notable. Um, There is a little bit more background on this. this. This, I think, essentially, you could probably say is kind of a dry run for the mutant movies that would follow um you know the h-man human vapor secret of the telegian um and uh yeah this was essentially um i i've often said uh one of the things i like about the 50s and 60s era of toho is that you know they weren't all in on kaiju they were trying to do a lot of different things and so um before Godzilla was released, 
essentially they were really impressed by um you know the screenings in the studio and the effects for Tsuburaya and Godzilla was coming out in November and they said well I guess uh, in Japan I guess New Year's time is a big box office uh release month um well in in Japan New Year's is considered like uh December through January maybe maybe November through January, but it's not just January 1st. So they're like, well, we, we still need a big movie for the New Year's season. And uh, they landed on uh, doing an Invisible Man movie, which, um, oddly enough, this one is not... Uh, this is like the only Toho sci-fi of that era that wasn't produced by... Uh, Tanaka. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, uh, it, the movie was pitched uh, from a different producer. Um, it was actually produ- uh, pitched by an a art director named Takeo Kita. Um, and uh, so he got um, the position of producer, I guess, because uh, they probably liked that pitch, but um, this is his only producer credit. Um, and uh, so, uh, and supposedly that has something to do with uh, uh, some kind of union dispute or something. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> so, and, and I I guess also I, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, Tsuburaya's experience on the Daya Invisible Man kind of made this, uh, you know, hey, we need a, a sci-fi movie out, you know, uh, quick, you know, what, what's something that, you know, we, we can do easily, so, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it, but, um, anyhow, uh, so they greenlit the movie in late October, uh, and, um, it was edited and the effects stuff was finished on December 21st, and it was released on December 29th. so uh um uh so tom mistakenly referred to the last movie as being directed by oda now having only seen godzilla raids again in this uh, well i guess i'm getting ahead of myself but i i don't i I don't know that he was the best director um (laughs) but we'll start with the simple plot breakdown and this one thank god is a lot easier to do because this movie, um, one thing that they did get right was like, hey, we're just making an Invisible Man movie, right? Like, they didn't... Like, the last two movies that we talked about were so convoluted and so, like, just did all this... Just these these labyrinthian, you know, procedural aspects, and this one is more or less, you know, hey, we're gonna make an Invisible Man movie. The end. (laughs) Um, uh, and this one I, does have some some pretty interesting ideas that I think even you know to this day might not be something that I, I've seen a lot of Invisible Man films. But um, one day in the busy streets of Japan, a car crashes into nothing, um, and then it very soon is apparent that it hit a person who. In front of everybody, uh, this person becomes visible. It's actually Haro Nakajima, 
playing the uh, the corpse of this uh, this guy that uh, ran into traffic. It's uh, revealed very soon after. Like, and <laughs> this is another thing with this movie is uh, immediately after this happens, like the the we cut to the very like next day. And the police chief is on TV saying, like, oh, hey, this is what it is. Uh, it's, it's all very anticlimactic. Like, there's no mystery behind it or anything. But essentially, uh, in World War II, in Japan's efforts to become um, this superpower, um, they experimented on people. And one of the experiments was to turn people invisible and have invisible soldiers. And uh, these guys, uh, as you can imagine, um, they find uh, going back to normal life as an invisible human isn't all that uh, uh, great. Which, I don't know, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, it might be kind of cool, but whatever. Anyway, um, so this, this invisible man, Nakajima's invisible man, has a suicide note basically saying, look... Um, there's only two of us even left, and this sucks, and I can't live like this, and so I ran into traffic, and here's my, here's my note. Um, all the while, um, around the streets, there is a clown who walks around with a billboard advertising for this nightclub that he also works, uh, works at in some of their stage shows. All these movies are obsessed with nightclubs. What? Anyway, yeah, <laughs> this one, this one especially, and this one gets gets weird with that. <laughs> so, um, and he, you know, he's follow, he's, you know, he's just walking around doing his job, and um, he uh uh lives in this um, I forget what they call it. Um, I don't know. How would you describe the place where he lives? I think it's also kind of a Japanese thing, but it's basically a place for, I don't know, would you say it's the like disenfranchised? Like a boarding house? Yeah, yeah. Kind of a boarding house. Um, and, uh, you know, he's friends with, um, his neighbor is this old man and his granddaughter, this little little girl who's blind. And, you know, um, so... Uh, they Did you say granddaughter? Yeah. The old man and yeah. the granddaughter. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I was it's thinking the neighbor's granddaughter. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they talk a lot. They, you know, she tells him um, about, you know, her favorite song that her parents who were killed in the war used to sing her. Um, and she tells him about how she wants to get a music box that plays the same song. And Nanjo is the name of this clown. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm going to try and save up for it. He's like, I'm going to try and get you this music box by Christmas. He's just a cool guy. Um, just a really nice guy, um, and it turns out he is the last surviving Invisible Man, um, and uh, that's also why he took a job as a clown because he can put on the makeup um, and be visible, which is actually a pretty cool kind of uh, twist on it. You know, he, it's, it's not someone that has to walk around in bandages. I mean, I think even in 1954, that had become so played out. Um, yeah. Looking like a mummy almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because <clears throat> at that point, you know, there were the Universal movies, those had sequels, there was other Japanese Invisible Man, so, you know, it's a it's a, a cool way to have an Invisible Man that's like, you know, well, 
this is how I'm visible to the world and I need a job. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be a clown. Um, anyhow, uh, they get, um, uh, since the revelation of the, the existence of invisible men, uh, and this is where we get into some stupid stuff. There's been like a string of robberies by these gangsters who put on those bandages, like the old invisible man movie and rob banks. And they're like, we're invisible men we're scary, like, give us all your money. But, like, if they're invisible, like, I mean, obviously they're not actually invisible, but their plan doesn't make sense, because if they were invisible, why would they even have to do that? Yeah. And, it, yeah, and everyone's like, oh, I got robbed by the invisible man. And you're like, well, what do you mean, the invisible man? And like, oh, yeah, he he went over that way. Like, I clearly saw him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> So the so the one advantage of being invisible, he uh, he he didn't yeah. do, huh? Nobody ever said like. There's no scene in the movie where someone's like, "Wait a minute, if these guys are invisible men, why are they why are they robbing banks visibly?" Yeah, I know what <laughs> what ends up happening. Right, is like someone just randomly walks in on them taking off their bandages or something, and like, "Oh, you're not actually invisible men," and like. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Duh. Um, so, uh, it turns out the kindly grandfather works at uh, this dock where these gangsters do all their drug deals, and they're like, you know, hey, he, we'll, we'll pay him off, you know, if he just, you know, lets us do these drug deals, doesn't say anything, lets us go in and out, no problem. And um, uh, they end up, well, killing the old man. And so, uh, um, this is kind of where, uh, well, first of all, I guess we're led to believe that he might take the money to cure his daughter's blindness, but, like, that's not how blindness works. The movie never, like, establishes that as, like, a science fiction thing, where it's like, oh, I know a scientist that created a (laughs) cure for blindness. They're just like, look, we'll pay all this, and you know what? It'll, uh... She'll be cured, and she'll just rub the money on her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the case. I am currently blind, and will take donations. Yeah, um, and then it, it just just because uh, the the gangsters are actually um, uh, Nanjo's boss at the at the club, and um, so just because of that, that leads um, this journalist played by Yoshio Suchia to um you know at first he's like i think i know who the invisible man is is causing all this pro these problems and he thinks it's nanjo and then nanjo's like look no i'm just a guy trying to work he's like i am the invisible man but it's not what you think and um you know he he takes off his makeup and sure enough he's an invisible man and then he's like you know i'll help you catch these guys um and i guess that's where he becomes uh, an invisible avenger (laughs) Um, yeah either that or the scene where he rescues the women who are getting whipped while hanging from chains in the back of the nightclub these these gangsters that run this nightclub they are not messing around like because they try and get like their dancers and stuff they're like look we can't do this like you know we have lives and stuff like we we need someone that's basically just going to come in do 
do these deals and leave. So, you know, they want these women to be their drug mules. And yeah, it turns out they're chaining them up in the basement and whipping them and stuff until they agree to do it. Um, and yeah, sure enough, Nanjo uh, comes in as the Invisible Man. He kicks some ass. He rescues her. Um, and uh, so... Eventually, this kind of leads them to, um, uh, like, the industrial side of town. Um, and uh, they're at an oil refinery, and uh, the, the villain is just going wild, shooting all these tanks and blowing stuff up. Um, and uh, the Invisible Man tackles them off a roof, and they both fall to their deaths. Um, and that's pretty much the movie. I mean, that's oh, it, yeah. as far as plot. This is, the one, this is the one where at the end he's like, if you leave me alone or I'll blow up the whole city with my gun. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and then they're like, oh, maybe the... And then, like, I think... Does Yoshio Tsuchiya, he's like, oh, you should go get him because you're the invisible man. Like, you'll have the drop on him or whatever. But then the guy ends up blowing up a whole bunch of oil tanks anyway and lighting the entire city on fire. So, <laughs> yeah, like, mission failed. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he did stop him by t- but, you know, they both <laughs> get killed in the process. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, if I kind of, if it felt like I was kind of trailing off, it's because the movie kind of does, and it's, this is the same kind of problem with Godzilla Raids again, is that, and this is why I'm starting to think it might just be this director, because both movies start off well enough, and then they kind of forget what they're doing, and then they go on all these, like, little side derail, like, the, the movies kind of get derailed, and they go on these little side tangents, and then the last act is like just shoved into like ten minutes, and it just kind of falls apart. Well, then they like <clears throat> they briefly remember what they're doing, right? And then it feels like they resolve everything, and then they're like, "Oh, oh, wait, crap! <laughs> we we still have more we have to finish. The movie's yeah. not over yet." <laughs> like the movie, literally, like the beginning really sets up Yoshio Tsuchiya as being kind of a the hero or kind of the you know he would be Nanjo's partner, but then like it literally the the second half or second third of the movie he's like non-existent. Yeah, he kind of he definitely disappears. And, there, and then yeah, he shows up at the very end. Yeah, there's like no resolution to him. Like, did he even get to write his article? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, there's like I mean the ending basically has that. Uh, another motorcycle scene. It's like more of a scooter, I guess. I don't know where the invisible man follows the crime lords, and then out of nowhere, Tsuchiya's character like shows up to see the end conflict on top of the oil tankers or whatever, and that's kind of how the movie ends. Yeah, it, and like there's a lot of stuff that's kind of set up to be pretty cool in the beginning, and then yeah, like Godzilla raids again. It just kind of like takes a shit. It, it, like it just like it, it forgets what it's doing and then it's like oh yeah we're this is what we're doing and then it rushes through everything and I feel like one thing though i mean like all of the toho because this almost falls into that toho mutant film oh, for, yeah for sure you know um they all have that thing though where like 
they're they're like, oh well, the main action is done. Okay, you got five more seconds of movie, and then it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh well, that's that's like, yeah, you resolved the con the conflict, and you got through the climax, but you didn't really give us like a resolution. You know, like these characters that we just followed, like what about them? You know, like, yeah, did Yoshio Tsuchiya get to write his article? Did the little girl get her music box or whatever? Like, I, I, well, what I happened to, to her? I want to get to the music box for a minute because, like, the last shot of the movie, like, is, like, the music box, like, laying next to the Invisible Man's body. But, like... But when did he get that? Wh- when did he get it? And, like, where was it? Like, why was it invisible? Like, where was it the whole finale? <laughs> was it up his ass? What... Also, the girl, like, listening, I mean, she's like, I can hear the music box, which I assume is in the room with her, but the way it's shot, it's like, did she hear it at the oil field? I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know where it was. Um, but, uh. The way, the way it's, it's filmed, it's meant to imply that, like, she can hear it across Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, because they they set that up pretty early on i actually think the biggest missed opportunity here is the fact that you have this little girl who's blind but if she could see she wouldn't be able to see the guy that she calls her uncle which i don't know if they're biologically related or if he's just like the crazy uncle that she's adopted at this point but, i kind of took that as like oh that's kind of her cute nickname for the yeah family, that's kind of what i thought you know. too but the, the idea of like hey this this girl can't see and now you have the invisible man who she couldn't see if she wanted to anyway like there's an interesting idea there but they never do anything of, of value with it except for make him, when he dies, they have kind of the sadness of, oh, here's a music box that she can hear. There's also some interesting kind of post-war subtext that isn't really, like, it's kind of established at the front, but it, it, it doesn't really play out thematically. And I wonder if it's something a director like Honda would have played with more, probably. But, you know, the fact that the Invisible Men are these... You know, it's a, it's a post-war. Their holdovers. Yeah, from, yeah. yeah. Like, post post-war, post-American apocalypse. Uh, occupation. Occup- thank you. <laughs> Post-occupation. Um, and they're, you know, you know, wor- working, um, functional members of society, but they're completely invisible. You know, I I think that there what there could have been something there but i don't think the movie or the script or the director really knew how to exploit something like that yeah they introduced that idea early on and they laid on very thick because you have a bunch of exposition that explains everything and they talk about the experimentation and some of the radioactivity and and those things are mentioned well well up front but then nothing is ever there's nothing that does come of it Right, and it's like, that's another missed opportunity where it's like, oh, this movie could have been saying something interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's one of those... Like, I like the ideas. I like the idea of, you know, the the Invisible Man being, you know, a clown. And uh, I do agree with Tom, like, the Invisible Man as a character is more interesting when he's crazy and he's evil. But like, if you're going to do a good invisible man, like this, there was nothing wrong with this character. It's just the movie just didn't utilize really anything. It set up like even the relationship with the little girl, like it isn't that 
prominent, and like that's kind of like what the heart of the movie should be. And then there's no real, there's no real payoff to it, you know. Right? Does she know he's dead? Does she, you know, like I mean, maybe I'm just a sucker, but this is the one I enjoyed the most. I, I don't think it's the best made movie, perhaps, but like there's something about Nanjo's character. And the little girl that even though it's very flawed, like it, it sort of works for me in the ending. It's interesting. Done. He's also a uh, a born again Christian. He says, right? Yeah, he mentions like his uh, yeah. mother or something, and he talks about treating people nice and well, and and like the you know, there's a couple cool scenes. You mentioned the the basement scenes. I mean, those things are brutal. They're beating the shit out of these women. Like, yeah, and the one girl's like tied up and hanging from her wrists, and she can't. Her feet aren't touching the ground. They're just beating the crap out of her. So there's a lot of brutality. I mean, I I, I thought those things set up him to be a very good. Like he's not really the he, he's he's not the guy you would think to be the hero, which is kind of the point. I really love the idea of like the clown makeup making him visible. I thought that was pretty neat. For whatever reason, I did enjoy this movie more than the others. I think. Nanjo is probably the reason why. Not to say that I, the second movie is probably more fun, but this is—I don't know. I, I felt sympathetic towards him when he dies. I felt like the music box thing, as nonsensical as it was, it kind of worked for me. I felt the sympathy that I that, that I was supposed to feel. Yeah, no, he's a good character stuck in a fairly crappy movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's the hero we need, but not the <laughs> one we deserve. <laughs> Like I mean, under the under um, uh, under a more competent movie, this character could have been up there with like you know, the Human Vapor, which is like an amazing movie, an amazing character. But yeah, the movie itself just kind of I don't know. It, it sets up a lot, and there yeah, there's just no not really a payoff to really anything. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, um. Yeah, we, well, we should mention uh, that I think Tsuburaya, again, is handling uh, the Invisible Man sequences um, like a boss. Um, as far as, I really like the scene where he wipes off the makeup, you know, that's a very interesting effect, especially for the 50s. I mean, now, you could do that easily with CG and green screens and stuff. Um, but reading a little bit of, about it, he actually... Um, filmed the actor rubbing makeup on his face, and then uh, he combined that with a separately shot black background. Um, so, you know, fairly innovative. And another thing, he doesn't use uh, a lot of the piano wire hanging up objects thing. Um, uh, in this, he would have a stuntman in a black suit throw things at an all-black background and then combine it with footage of the the scenery and stuff. So... Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I, I think stuff like that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, overall, it's not a movie that does too much. I, I do think, Matt, I do think I like this more than the other two. I don't, I don't know that it's better, but I think it's more interesting and the ideas are more interesting. It, it's just, it, it doesn't, um, the parts don't add up to a, you know, a cohesive whole, uh, whole. So, um, uh, so yeah, how many? Um, oh, and this all Subaraya does repeat the Invisible Man riding a motorcycle uh, trick. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, I don't know. So how many? 
How many, um, ooh, what's a good one? Clowns? How many whipped women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of five. Uh, I'm going to go three. Like I said, I, I, I don't know that it's really worth a three, but my enjoyment level was certainly there. And I, I love Nanjo personally, so I'm going to go three. I'm at a two and a half uh, out of five on this one, just like I was for The Invisible Man Appears. It's that, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned it already. I'm I'm more of a fan of The Invisible Man when he's when he's a, a crazy killer. Um I just find that more interesting personally. Um, but if you're going to do uh, Invisible Man as the hero, you could do worse, you know? And, like, this this is one that um, could maybe be one I might possibly revisit someday. I don't know, though. It's 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 the most... It's the one that you you would be most likely to revisit. Yeah, um, it's got some striking imagery. Like you know, I mean, we've we've mentioned it a couple times, but like every time they show like one of these women getting her ass whooped, I I like I almost had to do a double take. You know, like Those it almost are pretty visceral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost feels like you're watching a different movie. It's this, you know, like here's Nanjo and he's a clown and he's hanging out with this little girl and isn't it sweet and. Look at these women get their ass kicked. Like you're like, what the hell? Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm at I'm at a two and a half. I I was entertained, but um, I didn't I didn't really like it so much. Yeah, I would uh, I would do a two and a half um for this one. I, I uh, yeah, I I think the ideas are really interesting, and I mean. I think that these ideas could be like, I mean, if someone were to remake this, you know, they could do a much better job. The clown idea is a really interesting one that like, I don't know. I feel like one of the only movies that comes close to even attempting anything like that is, um, is Carpenter's, you know, John or memoirs of an invisible man where, you know, he gets makeup put on to make it look yeah, like yeah. he's there. Um, it's another movie that should have been better than it was. <laughs> well, it's like a different story, but right. But like, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's kind of that you, you, like you said, you usually see bandages or you get the thing in hollow man where they like put a, weird rubber mask on his face but like yeah you don't you don't see makeup uh as a trick used very often that's it's a cool twist um it's a neat idea but yeah there's there's not a whole lot else to hang the movie on yeah yeah i mean that uh, so i don't know i think that pretty much wraps us up i mean so uh, if you were if you were if you were just doing an invisible manathon and you were like oh man there's really not a whole lot of really good Invisible Man movies. Oh, I wonder if the Japanese did it any better than all these other things that came after the 33 version. Uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> They're just as <laughs> mediocre as all the other ones. <laughs> I, I like the the first sequel. Uh, yeah, the with, original. Uh, with Vincent Price. Yeah, and then... I think it's like the last one. Yeah, the... Is the is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is the one where he like has to use 
blood constant blood transfusions to yeah. try and become visible. Like that's a neat twist on the idea. Uh, I like those and, too, and I I think Invisible Avenger is kind of fun. But yeah, I mean that's a complete reversal of like these, where I mean that's very much like kind of almost a propaganda <laughs> movie. Um, so you mean Invisible Agent? Oh yeah, yeah, a- Agent, the Universal movie. Yeah. Invisible Woman is just the absolute worst. Oh, it's it might be the worst thing in that Universal Monsters. It probably is. Set. It's the only movie in the that I've in there that I've never. I couldn't. I had to turn it off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I I like the the Invisible Man. It's just the it, like I said, it's like werewolves. For some reason, people just can't really get it right. Um, and I I don't know. I know it has its defenders, but I don't even think Paul Verhoeven did that great with hollow man aside from you know cool some cool effects i like hollow man but it's been a good 10 years at least yeah i don't remember much about it to be honest same for me um they did do a hollow man 2 with christian slater (laughs) (laughs) that was direct to video and it was like wasn't even that long did anyone ever see that it was like the mid 2000s no, I will, Christian I will. Slater. Christian Slater is the perfect choice um, to to play Kevin Bacon because when I was like, when I was like, you know, eight to ten years old, I think I thought they were the same person. Um, <laughs> uh, all I know is I, I watched like five minutes of it, and it was two invisible men fighting, but they were both invisible, so it was just like watching, like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like watching two weapons like crash into each other. It wasn't. Oh my god, that sounds that awesome. <laughs> Uh, I th- I thought you were gonna say it was just like a camera staring at an empty empty space, and you just heard sound. <laughs> Might as well have been. <laughs> uh, well, I know uh, the plan for the dark universe was to have uh, Johnny Depp was uh, cast as the Invisible Man, which I don't know if they if they bring that back, that very well might happen, but. But how could Johnny Depp play an invisible man with all that white makeup all over his face? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's how he'll be visible. He'll just put on the, the pancake makeup and call it a day. And he'll be like, I've been working for Tim Burton for the last <laughs> 20 years. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's the invisible man. Um, I, don't know, I think we're good. What do you guys think? We good, we good to get the hell out of here? Yeah, we yep. good. All right.